Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Lori. And we're the Sex Positive Christian Feminists. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sex Positive Christian Feminists. Happy Tuesday, Lori. How are you doing? Happy Tuesday. I'm good. I think I'm doing well. I was sick all day yesterday. Um, Yeah, I think I... uh, I got bitten by Montezuma or whatever the uh, the appropriate phrase for that is, but I think I got a little bit of water in my system and spent it in bed watching Netflix. <laughs> but I'm be- I like woke up this morning. I was like, everything is fine. Everything is good. So it's better. How are you? I'm I am well as well. I got my second COVID shot yesterday, and I'm still feeling okay. Um, I do have a question for you that perhaps you know the answer to and some and perhaps you don't. So Dave and I started watching Bridgerton with the expectation that it'd be like super sexy and awesome. We are in episode three and there has not yet been any particularly sultry scenes happening. <laughs> and we are wondering how long we have to wait in order to get to the I part that everyone's been talking about. I haven't watched Bridgerton. Um... My understanding of Bridgerton, and, you know, if you're listening, please comment your thoughts on this, but I, my understanding is that it's, like, a bit problematic and that there's, like, not really consent or, like, it really blurs the line of consent in, like, some really bad ways. Um, but I personally haven't started watching it just because it came out on a time when I was, like, work, 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 and I was, like, building the erotic convent and doing all this stuff, so I was, like, I have no time for Netflix, and then I think my, like... I missed the hype. So yeah, I didn't get to see, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, we're definitely behind on when people should have been watching it. And one of my favorite (laughs) fellow sex coaches, Lucy Rowett, um, I think that's how you pronounce her last name. She wrote this really beautiful post about how it is problematic in the specific, like in the consent realm. Um, So if you're interested in checking that out, other folks who have seen it and are curious about the consent piece, Lucy definitely posted on it like on instagram potentially on her blog etc cool. yeah i'll yeah. see if i can find a link to it and, and and put it in the show notes yeah cool i normally watch outlander when i'm looking for something a little sultry um, okay we'll put that on our list too <laughs> <laughs> I, I love outlander because it's just clearly clearly designed for like smart women who like know a lot about history and like want to watch hot shirtless men like it's like he'll like he'll like be like he'll be in like in the middle of a conversation be like the war is beginning and then just like take his shirt off and like pick up a puppy and be like let's discuss (laughs) (laughs) that's all i want shirtless attractive men with puppies (laughs) (laughs) and like the historical accuracy is like on point like every history nerd i've ever talked to is like oh my goodness like the detailing in their corsets is like so historically accurate but yet like People are like, the plot is like everywhere, but it's so good. <laughs> so good. Also, kudos to their costumers for being I know. on point with their history. Um, <laughs> so today, we're not actually going to talk about television. We are going to talk about the law of attraction. And first off, there's like a ton of different places where we get a definition of what is the law of attraction, and as well as applications for it, how it relates potentially to possibility prosperity gospel, how it sometimes can be used really problematically, but also how both Lori and I sort of 
use it in different ways, use a different language around it in order to actually guide ourselves and our own understanding of life and what we want out of life. So we thought it would be an interesting topic to just riff on for a bit. I I think before we started this podcast, I was thinking about my relationship with the law of attraction and when it started. And it started right after college when I read The Secret. And I was so sold. I was ready. I was there for it. I was like, I'm going to make all my dreams come true. And I started using it um, in my business and I was doing Mary Kay at the time. And it didn't work, quote unquote work or whatever. It didn't feel like it was working. And I was thinking about this when I was like getting ready for the podcast. And I realized something that stuck out to me that I've, I've come to learn over the course of years of doing manifestation or conjuring is another phrase that I've, I like to use sometimes for it, is when you decide what you want, it actually takes the personal work to like realize the parts of you about why you don't have it. So like, for example, if I decide I'm going to make X amount of money or I want to make X amount of money this coming year, because I own a business, I have to like figure out how much I need and then work to make it so I can eat and pay rent and all that fun stuff. Um, So once I make that decision, I then have to work on all the blocks inside of me that are like, you're not going to really make that much. Or like, no, it's not going to happen. Like those little voices, that's when it takes like internal investigation, which isn't as simple as just like, believe. It's actually like deep, soulful work that I actually think leads to deeper action, if that makes sense. Like the action of like, okay, and now I believe that I'm capable. So now I'm going to actually hire the marketer to design my ads, or I'm going to hire a web designer because I actually believe I'm capable of these things instead of like doubt. Yes. I think that is a perfect way of putting that is that and that so much of it is actually getting really clear on the desire itself as a starting point. Um, and I think that a lot of times, you know, I, I've used, I like to use the word manifesting. Um, and I think when I've used it most effectively, it's when I'm apartment hunting. And so often when we look at apartments, I don't know if you are in a city like New York or Boston where finding a great apartment is actually somewhat challenging. Um, and there's lots of choice around it. If you don't have a clear vision of what you want, you can see an apartment that seems really great and maybe pick the, the quote-unquote wrong one, the one that's not really the match for what you desire because your desire is not clear. But if I come into a place and I'm like, okay, I want a gas range, I want wood floors, I want a bay window because they're super common in Boston, and I don't want to have to walk up more than three flights of stairs. Great. I've got like a really clear vision and anything that's on the fourth floor, I say no. Anything that has an electric stove, I say no. Anything that has carpet, I say no. And it clarifies what I'm actually going to spend time on. So it allows you to to spend time on only the things that you really need to and only the things that are really going to move you forward toward your goal rather than getting wrapped up in random stuff that isn't going to be worth your time. There are so many things I want to say, but the one thing that I think um, 
that we'll get into, like, I want to talk about, like, the spirituality behind it. I want to talk about, like, the self-personal development that happens behind it. But the other thing I want to talk about is why is it problematic? And why – so for those of you who are not familiar with this world, maybe you're just coming from, like, you're just starting to peek your head into, like, more progressive understandings of spirituality or something like that. Like, what – why would something like this be problematic? Laura, you're our resident expert on biblical literature and why it would be problematic. But I think the general gist of how I would see it as problematic from like just a a baseline thing is that God has a plan for us and it's our responsibility to live into God's plan for us without necessarily us having any sort of say in how it is that we get there. And there's also a distrust that our intuition and our desires are actually automatically aligned with God's. I completely agree that that's why I was taught it was wrong. But I was thinking more about why it's like socially problematic as well. We could also talk about that. (laughs) Like why is it – why are we taught that it's wrong? I mean I was also taught that it was wrong because – If you're, yeah, you're not having faith that like God has a plan and like you're not living into God's plan, which I actually think on like a spiritual lens, I'd love for us to like dive deep into that too, because it's like, that's literally exactly what you're doing. It's like the same thing as prayer. It's like saying like, I believe that the thing that I want is intertwined with what God has designed for me, the divine, the universe, whatever you're calling that. And so you're leaning into your desire because you know it's a fit for what you're meant to have. But at the same time, that same sentence reminds me of prosperity gospel, which is this idea that whatever you want is yours to have. And if you just have enough faith, God will give it to you. So if I want a private jet, I need to like do, I need to tell everyone like, hey, God has desired that he, he, because typically in prosperity gospel, it is a he, um, wants me to have a private jet. So now if you believe in God's will, you'll donate money to me for me to have a private jet. And even more, if you have faith in God and donate for me to have a private jet, whatever you want, God is going to bless you with having it because you planted a seed and gave me $1,000. So... (laughs) Now you are going to have $3,000 coming your way because God is faithful. Yeah, that's not really how things work, is it? Um, And that is, I mean, in some ways, gosh, morality is so interesting because I think there's, it's such a complex thing because of the person who's on the, who's asking for that private jet really does believe that that, that that desire is aligned with God, which I don't. Sorry, anyone who desires a private jet. I don't know that that's ever aligned with God's plan for us. I don't even know that God really cares what apartment I live in. But because I don't think God cares about those things. I care about what apartment I live in. I want those things. They're not in opposition to God's will for me. But I don't think they're like directly related to what God's hope for me is. Um, Because I think God works way more on like the... I wouldn't say like, yeah, on the relational level, right? God is, we've got a Trinitarian God. So God's going to work on the relational level because God is ultimately relational. And that's probably where we can get the most bang for our buck when it comes to discerning what God's will for us is. But 
when it comes to wanting something that's an, a material thing, I don't know that there's any relationship to God's will and that material thing. And I think that's actually where things become somewhat problematic. Yeah, I agree with you. I will say I do think that God wants us to be happy. Like, I do think that that's real. And I think that when people say, well, no, I'm just, because I think we, we also create sacrifices for God that are not real sacrifices for God. <laughs> yes. There's always that side too, especially as women. It's like, well, of course, I'm not supposed to have the thing I really want. Because right. somehow if so I'm we'll not do- satisfied in my existence, if I'm always feeling like I'm not getting enough, I'm closer to God because I don't have enough. Right. So if you're looking for an apartment and your husband falls in love with a place that is on the fourth floor with an electric stove, if you were to say, I'll make that sacrifice because being a sacrificial woman is, or being a sacrificial Christian even, is what I'm meant to do. Like, I don't think God is looking down and going, great, I am pleased with that decision. I think God's looking down, if, if she's looking down at all, and going, no, Rachel, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. That's not what I mean. Um, so I do think there's a level of like, and I also think she might be thinking, you know, literally right downstairs, there's a, there's a gas stove that's going to open up in two months if you just wait. Like, <laughs> like, I do think there is a sense of like interconnectedness to God's desire for our joy or, or want for our joy. But I also think, I think you're right at the same time that it's like, I might want something extravagant, but that doesn't always necessarily mean that it's in line with my ultimate purpose to have the gas range stove on the third floor. Like, it doesn't mean that, like, and purpose is a whole other complicated thing within Christianity and New Age, pagan, witchcraft spaces where it's, like, you have to find, like, your divine purpose, which I think is, like, real, but then also not real every time I hear it talked about because sometimes your purpose is just to sit and drink coffee and be happy and joyful that you're alive but that's tangential um two things both on the subject of purpose and on the subject of like our desires and I think that sometimes what happens is we desire something like I don't know I'm like, what is the, sometimes we have to figure out like, what's the really the desire behind the desire. So using the example of an apartment, because that's what we've been talking about, or even a private jet, maybe the private jet is really symbolizing a desire for freedom to travel in a way that feels comfortable. So maybe the answer isn't actually a private jet. Maybe the answer is like, you've been driving around this like car that is falling apart. And what you really need is simply to to say, okay, I'm going to move around my finances a little bit to buy a, a newer car that is still within the realm of what I can afford without asking a bunch of people to donate money to me and isn't super extravagant. But really what I need and what I desire is to be in a car that isn't falling apart. Um, and that that's really what's going on there. And I think sometimes that conversation within ourselves is part of what the law of attraction actually does ask us to do or manifesting asks us to do. Because when you get really clear on what you desire, it becomes a lot clearer that, oh, there's a desire behind the desire. Is there another way to meet my need for a gas stove? 
Like maybe it's not really about the gas stove. Maybe it's really about I want to be able to nourish myself in ways that are easy. And so getting an Instapot is going to be the answer. I think that's really true. And what you said about the desire behind the desire. And I think this is something that we takes a lot of practice is actually really truly knowing what you want and feeling into that desire, which I don't think like the secret really talks about in the same ways that manifesting and conjuring practices do, where it's like, I need to really be clear about what I want and what I, what I can actually, and what action steps I can take towards the thing that I actually really want. Because maybe the other thing I love, and I'm getting this a, li- a bit from Regina from the School of the Womanly Arts, but it's the idea of when you lean into your desire, how new exciting desires come forward and start to like clarify themselves. So it's like, okay, I want a gas stove, but I can't, don't have a gas stove. So until I get one, I'm going to get my Instapot. And then like now that I have an Instapot, actually like I'm starting to create all these really great soups. And now like I'm like super amazing at making soups and I desire all like living into like the want because the actual real desire was to make soup, like, and, like, get really good at making soup. Like, like what was, like, the real desire you wanted to live into instead of the thing that, like, really were kind of taught and set up is, like, you want, you want the gas stove, so you clearly need to move into one of the new high-rises downtown because that's the only place you can think of that has them. So you do that, like, and then you go into debt because you can't afford it. Um, like how do we live into that? And I guess what I'm wondering, do you have an example of something that you have manifested that you had to like lean into? I mean, I literally have manifested multiple apartments. So I, that's why I use that example. Cause that's definitely the thing that is the most challenging. But I also think that when I was applying to grad school, one of my, um, I was very clear with, at the time I would use the language of the universe, I was very, very clear that I was like, listen, I have a feeling that you want me to go to grad school, but I am not going to grad school for theology if I have to pay for it. (laughs) Like, that's just not happening. And on top of it, I don't even just want to get, like, the tuition paid for. I want to get money. I want to be paid to go to graduate school. So that's what I want. And if this is really the path you want me to take, you are going to give me <laughs> these things, which feels a little forceful, you know, but it really is like, this is what I want in order to do this thing. And also like as a sign that this is the right path, can you offer me this stuff in return? And sure enough, when I got my acceptance letter, full tuition, and I got a stipend and I was, it wasn't the stipend I'd wanted. So it wasn't quite as much as I'd asked for which I think also allowed me to still have choice in the matter, which I think is really beautiful. Um, but totally was like very, very clear about what I needed and what I wanted and what was going to work for me. Yes, I think that those things happen a lot. I know that I manifested or conjured. One of my first big conjures was conjuring my apartment in Jamaica Plain. That was a big time conjure where... Um, I was living on the North Shore. I was working in the south part of Boston. So I'm like on the northern tip of Massachusetts. <laughs> I had to drive all the way through Boston. So you were driving driving like two hours a day. Yeah. That's yeah. disgusting. Easy. 
And I had in I had it in my head when I got that apartment that I was never going to be able to afford something in the city. But I was like, I'm done. So I decided that I was going to manifest an apartment in Boston, conjure apartment in Boston, where I basically did the similar to what you did. I made a list of what I wanted. And basically, I wanted something under $1,000 or under. I wanted it to be 15 minutes from the main theater I was working at. And that's like, I was not picky at all. I was like, I wanted it to be a roof. And I wanted it to be in a safe neighborhood. And basically, I found it. I found two, actually. And the to me, it's more about like also believing and living into the fact that like what you desire can be yours. And I have a phrase that I put on my desire board, which I have a board that I put all my desires and all the things that I'm manifesting. And it is what I want is already mine. So if you believe you can have it, then like working towards having it. But then that also leads me to the next thought. And I don't know if you want to say more about like how we manifest or how we conjure things before I, I ask another question. I mean, mostly how I've done it is just getting very, very clear on the desire. Sincerely, like doing the work of discerning too, to make sure that, you know, my desires are not always perfect. And so there is a question there of like, is this desire really what is good for me? Um, and most of the time, I think that the things I desire are generally good for me. Sometimes there's that question, like I mentioned, of like, what's the desire behind the desire and being really conscious of that. And then there's a sort of like, okay, once you, you've you discerned that your desire is, is really the desire that you have, or if it's unclear and it's like, I don't, I don't know, I think this might not be the, the right desire. I think there might be a desire behind the desire, but I'm not sure what that is yet. To allow that to be open, to like offer that to the divine and say like, I trust your your will, um, making a very clear list of what that desire might entail. And the more clear you get, the better it is and the easier it is to take steps toward that thing. And also to realize and recognize when you've got it. Because I think so often we forget to give gratitude for when we get the things that we desire. We just like move on to the next desire as opposed to being like, yes, this is the apartment I wanted. I am in love with this. Thank you universe divine god for providing this to me let me move on now but yeah so getting clear knowing what the desire behind the desire really is if there is one asking for it with a lot of clarity and then being grateful when when even things that are moving you in that direction that aren't the fullness of it come your way yeah i love that so what happens if I am super poor. I just lost my job. And you're telling me that I can just like make a list of the type of apartment I want and that I'm just going to like have it. And all I need to do is like live into my desire and like really desire it. And then I can have it. Like how, how, because this is the critique oftentimes that I think it's important for us to discuss is that like it goes back to that idea. Like if you just have faith, if you just believe it, if you just live into your desire enough, then that then it, the thing you want will come to you. Like, what are your response? What's your response to that when you hear that? I mean, one hundred percent. The privilege component is is real, and I think is a is a challenge to the model. That is very much a good challenge, and I think 
the sad reality of our society is that there is a there's a lot of economic inequality. Like the economic inequality that we currently have is getting very close to the way things were in the 1920s, right before the Great Depression. That is one of the things that is the most terrifying to me as somebody who's alive right now is to be like, great, there's going to be something that's going to blow up and we get to decide how we are going to travel through that. Side note on the politics and economic side. But that's a reality that we have to like acknowledge and say that there are, there are, you know, I'm thinking of like people I worked with in New York where this one woman I worked with sent her son, she was a black woman, and her she sent her son to live with somebody else because she knew that if he kept living in the Bronx, it was not going to work out well for him. That is not a circumstance that is full of, you know, manifesting desires. That is a really tragic situation that's real. Um, so... Although I will put in there that she might have also, I don't know this woman, but she might have also had a lot of desires about what that family would look like and found a family that she felt the safest being able to send her son to. Yeah. I, I mean, although she I don't sent know her specific story. Her son to family, but still to have the desire that her son not be put in jail by the time he was 15, like that's a solid desire. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like you're you're better at social justice things than I am. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think, I mean, maybe this is my like Libra side, which is another thing that like we could also talk about in another podcast. But I think that um, I'm always looking for the, I always, I typically yes and this. Like I think that when we deny the power of manifesting and that our ability to do it, we disempower those who also are in need. I remember I was talking with a friend about my desire to travel and build my business. And they responded with, in a critiquing way, saying like, that's a very privileged desire because it's not possible for somebody who, or I think they were talking about like time management and like talking about like not having to work 40 hours a week. And saying if it's not possible for like the woman bagging groceries, then it's not possible, then then it's like a privileged desire. And I had to think about that a lot. But the one thing that I've come down to in that comment is it is possible for her. I don't know. I have very different hurdles because of my economic situation, my situation as a white woman in a first world country, which she also, she, this hypothetical woman also, I guess, lived in, Boston at the time but um like if it's not if it's not possible for her then it then it's a privileged desire for me or like there's something wrong with me wanting it and it made me realize that I think the ability to manifest and create the life you desire is actually something that we don't want to strip away from people just because we don't see the possibility for them because at the same time when I was waiting tables at a diner in a small town in Pennsylvania, I would get comments like that a lot. Like people who just assumed things about me or possibilities about me that reflected their limiting beliefs about me. And so when I got a job working at a theater that was really respected in the area, people were like, I didn't even, I didn't know, like, wow, like, oh my goodness. And it was insulting 
because I realized that they looked at my job and they created a limit for my life. And I think in the progressive world, when we talk about, you know, helping people who need help, supporting people who need economic support or justice or creating liberating circumstances, that also requires us to believe that people can also create liberating circumstances for themselves as well as needing that within the collective community too. So I think my, my response is yes and. Yes, we need to be hesitant about saying to somebody, that woman bagging groceries, well, you could be paying rent if you just believed and live into your desire to pay rent or if that's her problem, if that's her struggle. But at the same time, also saying like, yeah, you have every capability to like, do whatever you desire. Like you are capable of that. And I, and like, I believe you're capable. And that is why I support you getting a free education. That's why I support grants for justice focused businesses and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because, because I believe in you. I like that a lot. And I think as somebody who has been a massage therapist for a long time. And this is not something that happened as much in, in New York. In New York, massage therapy, I think, was treated more like an actual profession that was valued and was something where they were like, you are an expert and a specialist in this. Whereas in Boston, I've had way more people ask me, like, did you have to go to school for this? And it's like, well, yeah, I had to go to school for this. Like, it's a licensed profession. Um and also that idea of like, you know, somebody learns that I'm in graduate school while I'm a massage therapist. And it's like, wait, what? Like, you have a brain and not just your hands? Like, what's the deal? And that's not true of all of my clients. I mostly weeded out the shitty ones. But, you know, there's a reality there of of how are we making assumptions about other people and their abilities? And how is that not helpful? And I do think that there, the other side of that is also that in response to the friend that you were mentioning that was like, it's a privileged desire to want to travel and build a business at the same time. There's a part of me that wants to say, yeah, that is a privileged desire, but that doesn't mean it's not a desire I should have. And as someone who knows a lot of people that build businesses while they are nomadic, um, it can oftentimes cost a lot less. All that to say... Everyone can desire to travel if that's what their desire is. And it's a matter of if that's your primary desire, orienting all of the things that you do toward that desire is going to make it a lot more possible than if you have the desire for stability in living in a place and also the, the desire to travel because those two things are going to be in opposition to one another. The other thing I'm thinking about is also like your potential is something that we have some level of responsibility to live into, right? I'm thinking of the, the parable of the talents. Um, where like you do have some responsibility to, to push to your edge without being too capitalistic about it, to push to your edge of what's possible for you. Um, and that requires that we desire a little bit more at least than what we currently have. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a monetary thing. It really could be like, I desire to feel more connection with my family or I feel the desire me personally right now. I'm working a lot with I really want to be able to handle my anger better. That is a desire that I think is within my potential 
that is really, really hard. And if I really want to go toward that, like there's a lot of things I can do that can move me toward that. Yes. And I think remembering that like, I'm not full on a Marxist, but Marx and pleasure like are required and interconnected ideas. Like he wrote a lot about pleasure. And one of the reasons he talked about having societies and imagined societies where we were like all collectively supporting each other was because of the goal of living into your full potential. It was so that people don't have to work jobs that don't light them up, that don't give them joy and barely be able to pay rent because so that they can. So like this woman who's bagging groceries, this hypothetical woman who's not I guess she's also in this theory not happy and she can't have what she wants. Marxism says, no, you can. And says, how can the collective work together so that this one woman can live the life that she fully has the potential to live into? And maybe that means laying out in her backyard more often. Or maybe that means building her dream business, but like living into our full potential within the space of pleasure which is what Audre Lorde would call like living into the erotic life, is, is exactly what like justice looks like. And when we stop justice at just simply we need a law that gives that woman funding so she can pay her rent, we're actually limiting her potential and her possibilities. So like how much are we – at one level it could sound capitalistic, but then if we actually like – move it into the other direction it actually is like the full vision of what like the radical far far left is supposed to be embracing and like moving into and somehow we've I think in our conversation especially in like this the new progressive movement that we're in we almost stop it at like what law can we pass that like lets someone eat instead of what can we do to create like a possibility of pleasure and joy What's the ecosystem? What's the economic ecosystem that we can live into that can allow that person to do the things they really desire? Yeah, I don't. One of the things that I'm thinking of is, are you familiar with the musical Working? Of course. You know there's a song about the grocery store clerk who just like absolutely loves being a grocery store clerk. Um, And so for her... <laughs> Like, it really would be as simple as being like, okay, we're just going to actually pay you a living wage. Because <laughs> if this is really what she feels. And in that song, you, I'll put a link in the show notes because it's such a fun song. Um, that, like, there's a desire there for her to be able to continue to have that job. She loves it. She really enjoys, like, knowing all of the codes for all the all the produce without having to, like, look at the list. Like, she takes a lot of pride in that. But also there's some negative things that she mentions in that of specifically like the financial compensation. And so can she get the financial compensation she needs in order to be able to continue to be the wonderful grocery store clerk that she desires? Um, So also to say that like, I don't think that, I think sometimes when people think about this idea of like, well, if everybody was just doing what they wanted, then like we'd only have artists or we'd only have like, non-productive members of society that's not really the case and working is all based on actual interviews that studs turkle did with people who have jobs so my guess is that there actually was a a grocery store clerk that when i was a grocery store clerk i also took a lot of pride in all the codes that i knew and one of my saddest experiences 
is that when I'm at the grocery store and I don't remember the code, I actually get like a little depressed inside that I like don't remember my codes. I mean, I worked at the front desk of a gym rolling towels and used to make like sculptures with the towels. And that was like a beautiful creative outlet for me that I really loved. And I loved like having a relationship with all of the clients and all that stuff. And it's, you know, those sorts of jobs provide you with a certain amount of pleasure and enjoyment. The problem with them is that they do not pay sufficiently. Right. Um, side note. Okay. I have a comment about desire. Give and it pleasure. to me. <laughs> so earlier this year, I actually like splurged and got some sessions, some body sex sessions with Carlin Ross, who is works alongside Betty Dodson. And one of the things that she really stressed in those sessions, and it's something that I think is so, so true, is that when I mean, she's talking to women about orgasm and pleasure. So she's going to I'm going to be using gendered language for those of you who are men. Um. When a woman takes control of her own sexual pleasure, it empowers her to take control of her pleasure in every other area of her life. And that was something that it's not like it was I was totally detached from that idea, but working with her sort of like revamped it and like broke open another level of of that for me and how it's lived out over the past several months really is that shape of no, really, what do I want? And like feeling way more empowered to be attacking the desires in a positive way, going after them in, in in real time in a stronger way than I ever have before. And so I think that's just something I want to bring up since we are the sex positive Christian feminists to mention that sexual desire and sexual pleasure, especially for women, um, but also for men. But I would argue that for men, it's less about like getting to orgasm and really taking your time to to really enjoy the process because um, men are less naturally skilled at that, whereas women are. Um, that That's actually a really key piece of being able to identify our desires and go after them. So as much as like law of attraction doesn't really usually talk about sexual pleasure, I think it is a really important key piece of that. And the more that we can live into our sexual pleasure, the more that we are able to live into our desires in other areas. Yes. A woman who owns her pussy owns her life. If you are, and that's a quote from Regina Thomas Hour, but like if you I, I like that was like a revolutionary experience for me is once I ab- I felt like I was responsible for my own sexual pleasure. I realized I was responsible for all aspects of my pleasure. And I think that was a really hard thing for me to live into because I think as women, we're also taught that men are responsible for our sexual pleasure and our other pleasures. Like it extends, right? So we end up thinking that, well, if I want to have a yacht or a gorgeous home or a gorgeous apartment, I need to marry someone who is going to give those things to me. That's almost the way women think by default, which is why I think so many feminist songs or like so many empowering songs are like, I work and I buy my Gucci bag. Like that's, (laughs) that was my rap. (laughs) (laughs) And it sounds so superficial, but really... It's speaking to something that's rooted like, in a lot of women is like, I can't have these nice things unless I get married. Um, so yeah, to believe that you can fulfill your own desires. Um, what was the other thought I had that you, as you were talking? 
I don't exactly remember. Oh, I wanted to also share something that a sexual metaphor about manifesting that I, I don't know if I made it up, but I feel like I, I know a lot of women who use this. So it's like giving credit to anyone who's ever said this before as well. Um, but I had a lesson. Actually, I'll just tell the story. I had a lesson about manifesting while having sex. Um, so it's because it ties back to BDSM as well. So I'll just like tell the sexy story. So I am tied up and my partner is taking a vibrator all along my arms and my neck and my stomach and my legs and is not putting it anywhere near my vulva like not even letting it go near it and like maybe like grazing close to it and then like skipping over that is what a desire is when you don't have it yet that is what that is how I learned that like that is what like the thing you want when you don't have it and the universe is teasing you it's like as you're so close to getting it you're so close to getting oh no no not yet how much do you really want it how much do you really, really, really want this apartment? How much do you really desire it? Oh, oh, maybe? No, no, not yet, not yet, not yet. Until like the full satisfaction comes to birth. And for me, I think there's something so sexual about desires and manifestation in a, in a sexual energy place where it's like really loving and living into a desire that you love, that you want it to the point that the want is exciting. And then that, of course, leads to getting so into the idea of going after the thing. Like the want for the apartment that feels so impossible, but that's what leads you to go on apartments.com and Craigslist and have like a million tabs on your computer looking for it because – you're so excited about the desire that nothing's going to stop you from desiring it. And I think that for me, I think is the difference between just like sitting in my car and being like, I make a million dollars versus like, like I am sustained by like my career and like there's like life giving richness to it. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned also the specific amount of money because I think that a lot of times, especially as business people or just as humans, we get into that idea of like, this is the amount of money I want, but really is it, I want to feel sustained. The desire behind the desire. And that gives a lot more spaciousness, yeah, for it to look different. But can we have that, that so strong of a desire for something that it really guides us forward? And I think that's a, that's a, big piece of manifestation or a law of attraction also is that sometimes the strength of our desires isn't strong enough and that's okay um that that we can have a desire that isn't enough to reorient how we live life that's why my desire board is a dry erase board no i'm like i'm completely serious because i'll put something on there and I'll be like working towards some of it, like actually like doing some like physical work for it. Sometimes I'm just like desiring it and like getting really into my desire. And then I'll look back and I'll be like, oh, wait, that thing was on my board. Like I had a desire to live in a high rise in Boston. I wanted to have a high rise with a balcony in Boston. 
And for those who don't know, that's like easily $5,000 a month. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's what I was going to guess too. I was like, that's a yes. five grand and I a wanted month. it because I wanted to live downtown apartment. so badly. And I had that desire. I was working on it. I love that so many of our desires are apartments. It just shows that we lived in a city. Um, but we... <laughs> Uh, exactly <laughs> the fact that like all I want is something under a thousand dollars below 110th street on the west side that was totally a desire I had it happened so I have I these it. desires and then I when I remember going back and looking at it after I had lived into my desire to have this like dream apartment and part of living into that meant I bought the furniture I would have in that apartment I like set up like what would that apartment what kind of curtains would I have? I got the curtains for that. Like, and was setting up my actual apartment like that dream apartment. And I loved my apartment so much at that point that I was like, I don't really want to spend 5000 If I start making enough money where I can afford a $5,000 apartment, I don't want to spend it on rent. And like, and so I erased it. But like, the more you live into the desire, the more actual real desires come forward and and you can start actually living the life that you're like truly wanting. It's rooted in your desires. I think that's so, so key because I think so often we think that like, I can't be happy until. And the reality is that we've even seen studies of this, that if you plan a trip, you will get as much satisfaction and joy and pleasure out of planning the trip as you will up to act at like actually going on it. Um, which is shocking and feels kind of weird to say, but it's like, that's been studied. And yeah, a key piece of that is like, can we be happy now? It doesn't have to be some like massive shift. Can I be happy with the gas stove? What would it take for me to be happy with the gas stove? Um, what would it take for me to be happy in the one bedroom apartment that Dave and I have been living in for four years? Like, um, the question that's been coming up very presciently for me lately, I don't even know if that's a word, um, is what would it take for me to be happy in Boston? I've lived here for eight years. I've hated Boston all of those eight years. But what would it take for me to actually love Boston? And realizing that like, oh, there are five rhythms classes in Somerville that are happening outdoors and they're masked. That sounds fucking amazing. Barefoot dancing outside in the summer. That sounds awesome. How do I get myself there? That's a three mile away travel from where I currently live. For those of you who don't know Boston, that could mean it would take you half an hour to get there <laughs> or 40 minutes, depending on traffic. But also, I don't want to buy a car because that would cost a lot of money, parking, etc. But what else can I do instead? And so the game that I've been playing in my mind is like, do I buy a bicycle? Do I spend $200 and buy a bicycle and start biking? to Somerville to do this thing? Do I learn how to ride my husband's Vespa? And is that how I do it? Is that going to be the option? Um, because there's more choice that we have when we start to really open ourselves up to the possibility of being in pleasure now and loving what's happening now rather than waiting for whatever the thing is that we desire to come to pass. I know that gets a little bit off topic from law of attraction, well, but I also think it's it goes into the experience of 
like living into the desire is also, and I'm actually thinking, I think I might know a couple people who live in your area that go to those. So I, I, um, let me check some Facebook stuff and I might have a carpool for you. Um, (laughs) I might have a carpool. (laughs) Um, and like, also like what you made me think when you said that, I was like, I think I know who teaches that. And I think, I think I know people who go to it. And as I'm thinking about that, like once you voice your desire, then like also the universe, people around you start to like work to like make those things a reality for you. And I also think it's also not about getting depressed about not, not having it. Like I'm thinking about planning vacations and I know there are people who plan, who like are like, I don't even want to look at pictures of Paris because I'm never going to be able to go. And it's like, well, not with that attitude. Like, I don't know how you're going to go, but I definitely know you're not going to go if you're saying you're never going to go. My mother-in-law wanted to go to Paris from the time she was in high school. And we finally oh, took her to Paris like so two great. years ago. Um, she's almost 70. So if you have that desire to go to Paris, it will happen. You just have to <laughs> dream into the it EU even a little bit more. opening up for people who are vaccinated. Just... I don't know if anything's open in Paris right now, but I know that you can get in if you have a vaccination. <laughs> you, The Eiffel Tower is outdoors. You can see it even go. if you're not <laughs> able to go but, anywhere. Um, the idea that we, um, when I think when we live into it and then we start thinking about the possibilities. And I love that idea of like, well, what is possible? Like how how could like you find the possibilities of a place like Boston being a place of a dream, a dream world, not settling for Boston, not saying, Oh, living somewhere that lights me up is a, is a foregone conclusion. But the idea of saying like, where is the pleasure here right now? So that like there can be ecstatic joy where I am right now, as well as for where I'm going to be in the future. Because, like, my dream, like, I know people look at, like, you know, I live in San Jose del Cabo and it sounds magical and wonderful. I want to be in Naples. Like, that's where I want to be. (laughs) I was supposed to be in Naples in 2020. But there's this thing called COVID and it took it away from me. But one of the reasons that I'm in San Jose del Cabo is because I want to be in Naples. Like, it was because like, well, the first step is is moving. So let me just start moving. And then eventually I can get where I, I desire to be. And I think that that is also part of it is we live into the desire we want. And like, I'm not complaining. I, I'm, m- my place is like, I live in a gorgeous city. But I'm also like living into a bigger desire that has not yet come to fruition. Like this is not the end. This is just the beginning of like the fullness of the, the full desire. And that's true when I wanted to live in a high rise. And that's true now that I only want to live on the beach. Like quite literally, I would just like live in a tent on the beach. <laughs> like that's also how it works. I just thought about the idea of jealousy as well. Mm, isn't jealousy fun? Jealousy is a key to understanding what you actually want. (laughs) Yes. That has been the greatest lesson I've ever learned, that if I'm jealous, that means I actually desire it, which means it just goes right on my desire board, and I start working towards making it my reality. 
Because I think jealousy is also very limiting because we start to then decide why it's wrong for that person to have it. Like, she shouldn't have spent that much money on that bag. Like, that's disgusting. Instead of saying, oh my God, I want, I want that bag. Okay. All right, Lori, I'm going to figure out how to get it for you. And jealousy automatically makes it wrong Mm -hmm. for me to want it too. So if I'm jealous of, I am a little jealous of you living in a place that's warm enough where you can just wear whatever the heck you want every day and not have to like deal with. The reality of my life is that I hate weather when it's between 40 Mm. and 70 degrees. Above 70 degrees, I know exactly what I want to wear and I can wear whatever the heck I want. Below 40 degrees, I'm totally fine. I like definitely know how to deal with winter, winter weather. The middle ground, I freaking hate. There are direct I just don't know flights. what to wear. Um, <laughs> so I desire to be somewhere where I can just wear whatever the heck I want whenever I want to without having to put into consideration like what the heck is going on outside. Um, that's a desire. And I could be really jealous of Lori. Or I could just buy myself a plane ticket and go down there. Or I could also just recognize that my apartment is always 80 degrees. So I can just wear whatever the heck I want. I think want. both work. I mean, I'm, I'm also like pro-Rachel coming down here. So I don't want to actually let her just put her apartment to 80. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we don't control our heat. It's like old building automatic steam heat. It's like snowing out and we're like right. wearing bathing suits indoors. <laughs> But I also think that that I think jealousy is such an important key to desires and manifesting because we can either see it as an arrow or we can see it as a as a as a block as like a barrier to where we want. Yeah. And or we can start to feel guilty and be like how dare you aren't why aren't you grateful for what you do have as opposed to being right. jealous and of like, what somebody else has. Be grateful for what you have. But also like, be excited about what poss- what's possible. And I think that's what keeps us from not being still. And, yeah, and I, and, I th- and I just think jealousy is, like, a part of ourselves where we're just trained to be, like, oh, that's wrong, so I'm just going to shut that off instead of going, like, oh, okay, hi, jealousy. What do you have to teach me? Let's talk about it. Well, that is everything we have for you today. Thank you for joining us. As always, subscribe, like, share, comment, and you can follow us on Instagram at Sex Positive Christian Feminists. You can find Rachel on Instagram at, at rachel.alba.coaching and me at Lori Kimmerly. If you are interested in learning more about feminist theology and erotic spirituality and want to learn more about the Feminist School of Theology launching in the next week, check out Lori's programs and blog at www.lorikimmerly.com. And for Christian sex coaching, visit Rachel at www.sexwithspirit.com. We are the Sex Positive Christian Feminists, and we will see you next week for another conversation about sexuality, spirituality, and feminism. Bye. 